It's the wild, wild west in the cannabis industry, but is it a good time to get in as an investment? We'll talk with financial consultant David Rabinowitz on In the Weeds next. Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD, and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains, and 100 chemicals, all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. And Big Pharma is out there kind of waiting in the on-deck circle, if we can continue with the baseball analogy. Big Pharma, big alcohol, there's a lot of big players that want in on this. Yeah, and one of the products that has um, evolved from the cannabis sativa plant is CBD, cannabinoidiol. God, I I hate the names. Decarboxylization, cannabinoidiol. I mean, it's CBD for a reason. Stick with the initials. And THC is also easy. We recognize that there are two main chemicals in the cannabis sativa plant. One is THC, which has an intoxicating effect. And the other is CBD, which has an anti-inflammatory effect, as well as helping with anxiety and helping with sleep disorders. But what's happened now in this wild, wild west economy of, of cannabis, which is where we're right in the middle of now, is everybody is getting into the CBD business. And a lot of this stuff is, you know, at the five milligram and 30 milligram level, and they're charging 40, $50 for little bottles. A lot of people are getting rich off really snake oil, if you will. I wouldn't go so far as to call it snake oil, but you know, That's it, what it I is, do, though. I like to go overboard. Okay. <laughs> so the CBD market, because it doesn't have THC, people have been shipping it around the country. Right. There are companies that specialize in that, like CV Sciences. Mm-hmm. So if you want to play a public stock that specializes in CBD, there's a public stock for you, and it's done pretty well. The um, Now, you mentioned earlier that I, I consult to senior-level executives in engineering firms. And that's around the country. Mm-hmm. So I may fly into a particular city and then have to take an Uber to get to a client's office. And it's not uncommon. I'll stop at a convenience store to pick, pick up a couple of drinks along the way, mm-hmm. especially if I'm a little tired. I want to boost the caffeine. And I'm amazed at how many times now I'm seeing CBD items at gas all stations. across at gas stations, CBD-infused right. honey sticks, CBD, right. l- the, the little containers you're talking about, yep. a CBD oil. Right. They're... They're everywhere. And now that the farm bill has been allowed with that and hemp's been legalized, CBD. To an extent. True. Yeah, right. But you're going to see a lot more CBD. Now, my understanding is the Mass Department of Agriculture has said you can't import CBD into Massachusetts. It's got to be developed here um, because it's got to be tested. They'll, uh, that'll all get worked out. But 
CBD is a huge market. And I believe there are two senators even today. Uh, um, again, this is being recorded on uh, February 22nd, Friday. Two senior senators are urging the FDA to give them some idea of guidance on how to regulate CBD. Because, as you know, in Maine and Ohio, New York, the FDA, the local bureaus, took products off the shelves and, and, and wrote up restaurants who were infusing their foods with CBD. Yeah, that is hilarious. So you have a product that because it's federally illegal, they refuse to see it. They right. put blinders on. Unless. It, it, it doesn't exist. Right. It's like a five-year-old who, who wants to play hide-and-seek, stands in a room and with all these people, closes his eyes, and thinks he's invisible. Right. Right? So they, they want nothing to do with it. And they make believe it doesn't exist. Then it becomes legal, and they run around and say, oh, now we have to start to talk to you about it. Right. And they also, uh, I don't know if you follow this or not, I think I talked to you about the patent that the United States government has on right. uh, through Canalife, which is a company that is controlled by the National Institute of Health. So while it's a little hypocritical, isn't it, when you say that this plan has no medical values, but we're going to take out a patent on one of the components of it because I think we do. it does have medical value. Yeah, but unfortunately that's been litigated and, and I believe lost. That was the, the, the Washington suit. That caused Jeff Sessions, I understand, to rip up the one memo. of the, the, the coal, one of the coal memos, right? right? You know, people talk about the coal memo, but before the coal memo was the Ogden memo, and the coal memo was actually a series of three memos. And then you got the FinCEN memo. I mean, to understand, for example, the federal, what goes on at the federal level and all the influences, you probably need to sit down for three hours and read all these different federal memos. And then you begin to get a flavor. And then you read the Rohrabacher Amendment. And then it all begins to fall into place. You can understand how this thing works at the federal level, where there is a safe harbor, where there isn't. And, and again, so what's going to happen next? Are, are we going to see control of CBD under the Food and Drug Administration? Or are we going to see them finally deschedule it? A cannabis, the whole plant, and put it under the Alcohol Bureau and Firearms, the Tobacco and Firearms Group. Where, where do you think it's going to end up? The federal government has to make some changes on how it is uh, scheduled now because they want their banks involved with this business. Um, I don't think the federal government has to do anything, right? They're well, going to they, do whatever they want. Because uh, he does. Right, because you could have me back on the show at a future point. Right. I mean, forget about the he. Just the federal government yep. hasn't descheduled it or rescheduled it right. with all that's been going on. Right. So, and, they, and they have with the CBD, with the farm bill, and they've only well, put it at uh, Schedule 5, and they've let Epidiolox al allowed to, to have some of the cannabis sativa plant in it, artificially grown, of course. Yeah, but I, I think... I go to a lot of cannabis events. Yeah. I listen to a lot of cannabis activists who, who are getting into business, want to get into business. I, I run a group to try to help. Where, where um, can we find out about that group? Go ahead. Give well, a plug. <laughs> give a plug. So I started a group on meetup.com. Yep. And for those now, of, is that meet.up? No. It's meetup.com. Okay. Meetup.com. Okay. We got it. All right. Yep. And I started a group called Massachusetts Cannabis Startups. Okay. I took out a free account, which meant I could have up to 50 members. I was going to be thrilled to get the 35. Two days later, I got an email from Meetup, you, you system-generated email, 
telling me there were issues with putting more members in the group, I'd have to upgrade the account, which meant I had to start paying, which right. really wasn't a big deal. Right. So I ended up paying for an account. I think we're, and this group is less than two months old. We're probably up to about 200 people. Wow. People and, are just curious, and they, uh, want, they see something hot, and they want to get involved in some way. Well, yeah, and this is for, we had our first event back in January, and it was a mixer, and it went really well, and I was surprised how many people showed up. We're now doing a series of educational sessions. We've got an, an attorney out of Boston. Uh, we're focusing on social equity and economic empowerment applicants. This Tuesday night, we're running a session in Framingham. Um, I went to an economic empowerment event a couple of Sundays ago. Now, these are people who want to be in the business, and they're in, and under the mass regs, they're defined as economic empowerment applicants. And, I, and I'm not going to bore the audience as to what that means, but just think of it as meaning they're either disadvantaged or they're in a disadvantaged community. And toward the end of the session, I asked one of the moderators to take a poll and ask how many people had read and understood the regs. Oh, boy. Now, <laughs> these are people who are looking to get into a very complicated business. Right. Right? It's very tricky. And As you talked about, the Cannabis Control Commission had their Thursday meeting, and they spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the, the issues they're having and getting the social equity and economic empowerment program Going, up. Right. right. It's been going, but it's not going anywhere. Right. right. I give platelets, and today was a platelet morning. I sat there with my little handheld device and my head, the, my, my um, earbuds, earbuds yeah. watching the cannabis, listening to the Cannabis Control Commission intently. The people at the Red Cross thought I was nuts. Which you but, are, but right, that's okay. It's, am, it's a right. good set of nuts. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, so these are people who want to get in the business. MassCan, which is the Massachusetts chapter of normal, mm -hmm puts on the event, and it was probably no more than 20% of the people actually understood what the regs were. And many of them are frustrated because they can't understand why they can't get the application process going and why they're running into roadblocks. And I'm scratching my head saying, how can you even consider doing this if you don't know the rules? And the first go-round in the rules is you need to know the mass regs. Right. Then you need to know the local regs and the zoning, and then you need to have an understanding of this federal framework, which is kind of funky, mm -hmm. because you talk to smaller activists, and they all want to see marijuana fully legalized at the federal level, even some of the small business owners. And I scratch my head saying, the only thing that's holding back the real 800-pound gorillas, the stampede of elephants, is the fact that it is illegal at the federal level. For me, leave it that way. As soon as they make it legal at the federal level, which means rescheduling from Schedule 1 down to Schedule 2, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, CVS can come in, Boots Alliance, which is Walgreens, can come in, Rite Aid could come in, Walmart can come in, Target could come in, any major retailer that happens to have a pharmaceutical or pharmacy operation in their stores can jump in the marijuana business. But where are they going to do their banking if that happens? Because I, I was at an event, and I asked the lawyers from Burns and Levinson, uh, you know, if they schedule it down to two, won't that open the doors for the banking industry? And they were pretty vehemently saying, no, it won't. Now, granted, they're lawyers, and they would like to be hired for as long as possible to drag this thing out. I get that, too. But I was really kind of taken aback by the fact that they didn't think that Schedule Two would do it. Yeah, I, I don't know, Jimmy. I don't. I'm not an attorney. And did and you I ever play one? 
Did you ever play one on TV? No. no I'm sorry. Sorry, I had uh, to do that. The, the, but I'm not an attorney, and I, and I wasn't at that conference, so I don't know what their reasoning is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. Because if you think about Schedule Two drugs, they've got a, a high propensity for abuse, but they have a therapeutic value. Mm-hmm. Right? The, 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 That's the, lo- the opioid world. Well, no, no. The, the, well, yeah, okay. The, the Oxycontin world. Right. Yeah, right. Schedule two. Right. right. Schedule one is high, high potential for abuse and no therapeutic value. Correct. Right. Know, I think everyone agrees. Even the prohibitionists have to agree that it is in the wrong scheduling. Absolutely. But, it, but so now if you move it into schedule two, it's right there with all sorts of other legal drugs. It's right there with things that your dentist gives you when you come in and you say, I need to get some dental work done. He says, I'm going to put a needle in your, right. in Novocaine. your jaw. Novocaine. Right. Novocaine. Right. Yeah. And cortisone. Those yeah. are all Schedule Two drugs. And cocaine. Let's throw that in there, too, because it right. is. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know exactly which ones are in Schedule Two, so I'm not going to comment on that. But there's plenty of people who deal in Schedule Two drugs and plenty of pharmacies that dispense Schedule Two drugs. With American that, banks. That have bank accounts. Right. So I'm not sure I understand why the attorneys feel that scheduling to Schedule Two won't open up the banking sector. I think it's because the, the banks are still under the federal guidelines absolutely and, and they just are wary of taking that risk and you know banks don't like to take risks absolutely but they can't because they can't help a trafficker and if you're trafficking in a controlled substance a schedule one controlled substance that's a problem which is why most of the banks won't touch it mm-hmm. right that now if it goes down to schedule two you know maybe there's a technical issue that you need to have a dea license right because Anybody who, who's going to prescribe, who's going to handle drugs is, has some sort of a DEA license right. that allows them to do it. Right? The team I'm working with, they happen to have a dentist on their board. And one of the reasons they have the dentist on their board is he has a DEA license. He understands that sort of stuff, and he can advise the business people on more of the, the things they need to know if they want to run a tight ship regulatory compliance-wise. Right? So, so there may be something to do with that. But I, I got to believe that if marijuana is scheduled to Schedule 2 and the party has the right sort of license, there's no reason you can't bank it. Yeah, I, I, I'm certainly with that, too. I've talked to bankers about it. I get that they don't want to take risks. They don't want to expose their people's and their company's money to any kind of a, a, a way to shut them down. or shut. And, and I can understand that. I mean, I, you, look, erring on the side of caution is a safe way to do business. But... Yeah. It's still this whole industry that you're predicting two billions in the state of Massachusetts and within a couple of years here. Who's going to where's that? Where's that money going in the the little in the mattress? That money's going in the banks. Here's there are three banks. We know there are three banks in Massachusetts. Right. We we had what, what you could call a double session problem. We had a U.S. attorney general. Yes. Who was adamantly opposed to marijuana. Yep. And then we had a representative from the state of Texas named Pete Sessions who ran the Rules Committee, and he blocked every marijuana bill from advancing to the floor for discussion, for vote, for consideration. I think I heard it was 23 bills were blocked. Pete Sessions didn't get reelected last year. Yes. And, the, <laughs> and, and now, as a result of him not being reelected, the fellow who's running the Rules Committee is a gentleman named Jim McGovern out of Massachusetts. Oh, we like Jim McGovern. And Jim McGovern has vowed that all those bills are going out to the floor and they're going to get discussed and considered, debated. They may advance. So now you've got the Safe Banking Act that was 
um, that that had a hearing, I believe. Two weeks uh, after during seed to sale. During seed to sale on that right. Wednesday, so yep. a week a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. you have the um, the States Act, which is the Elizabeth Warren bill with plenty of co-sponsors that says the federal government should keep their hands off what the state is doing as long as it's compliant. Right. Right. Either one of those bills gets passed, I think it's going to a number of bankers are going to be willing to put their foot in the water. I haven't talked to bankers, but I think that's going to give them enough of a cover that they'll do what um I don't want to mention the bank's name because I don't okay. think it's fair, but I, I can. But the, in, the, in the Massachusetts? Ba- yeah, the, the the commercial bank that's banking most of the medical operations. Century Bank. Right. And I know I know the Sloan family and and I yeah. actually give them credit for at least taking it in, although their board did vote down working with the adult rec community too. Right, but think about why. <laughs> right. And I and I haven't been at the board meetings, but the Rohrabacher amendment yep. protects medical operations. So right. it says the Department of Justice can't spend any of their money to go after a medical marijuana operation that's com- in compliance with its state law. Right. It doesn't protect the recreational. Right. And even though they just, in the this whole budget issue that we experienced as Americans, mm-hmm. and they finally got the budget extended, um, that amendment survived, but it survives for medical. So that's the umbrella of protection. As long as the Rohrabacher Amendment is there, medical operators are protected Adult use slash recreational operators aren't, and yet Safe Harbor Gardner Federal Credit Union is taking uh, recreational companies as well as is Bay Coast Bank out of Swansea, which I did not know even existed. And then I ran into him at that event um, spawn that was a Burns and Levinson event a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, so I, I, I guess where this is a great question you threw this out here as a talk topic i'm going to right back at you here on this one where's the future in cannabis cultivation um is it in flower the actual plant um or is it in the derivatives and the concentrates and the and the uh, you think about this you're going to find long term and i can't back this up with anything other than common sense which some people think i i have in short supply but Maybe that's why I like you so much, David. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but um, I, I think you're going to find long term that the cannabis market is going to be a market of infused products. Coca-Cola is not about to sell you flour. But right. if Coca-Cola gets into the business, they're going to have some sort of cannabis infused drink. Yep. The beer companies that are in the, and the, and the spirit you, and companies. When, hang on a second. I want to make sure we clarify this. Cannabis infused drink is CBD. Uh, it could be CBD. It could be THC, right? Because there are. It, I, I was last night. I was with Keith Cooper, who yeah, I know you I know him. well. Yeah, and, and if you ever want this show, if you ever want to get another microphone, I'd be thrilled to do a show with you and Keith. Well, I'd love but, to do that with yeah, him. And we were talking about products. Right? Yeah, I, I was with him with the group, yep. and and we're talking about products. And he's going through the product line they have. Um, and he's talking about they have some products that are water soluble that you can put into a drink, right? And they mix right in. So if you don't want to have alcohol, but you want to have a drink with a with your friends, right? They've got a product for that, right? They have infused beverages too yeah. at, so, at Revolution so you, Clinics. Yeah, so you can have infused with THC, or you can have infused with CBD. Now, I would expect that Coke is not going to get into a THC infused, but when you start to look at um, like Constellation Brands and the people who are already in the alcohol business, I think what they're going to be looking at is THC infused drinks. So think about how big the beverage market is. Right. Right. And, and I think what you're going to realize is the future of the marijuana cannabis industry 
is going to ultimately be not in people standing around smoking it. It's going to be in eating it, in, fu- in some sort of infused product, topicals. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if you were at, at the seed to sale session that was talking about some of the, uh, the, the I got to think about how to say this um, politely, but the uh, the sexually um, the sexual Cialis and Viagra market. Let's well, not even that. the Cialis and Viagra market, right? <laughs> but they, they're talking about products geared for women. And one of the attorneys Yahoo. was on a panel talking about, well, we have an item that's used on a woman's genitals, and the state of Colorado is trying to argue whether it's a topical because it goes inside the body, so it can't be a topical. Oh, my and goodness. And is it inedible because it could be eaten? <laughs> my goodness. This is yeah. a, an adult 21 show anyway, but, so you know, we're comfortable with all but, this. But, you know, you, you take a look at the, the breadth of products that are out there. Yep. And flour may be the real popular thing right now, but as the business takes off and as the small entrepreneurs get in and say, I've got an idea for a product, for an edible, for a drink, for something else, that's where I think you're going to see the major growth. So if you're asking me, where would I put $25,000? i will tell you this for certain. And this has nothing to do with my black thumb. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of cultivation. For a whole bunch of reasons. Cultivation is an expensive business. Yeah. If you look at some of the um, some of the newspaper articles over the last 12 months, there was a group that I think put $18 million to build a new cultivation facility in Holliston, Massachusetts. Now, Holliston won't allow retail, but they have a couple of small... It's a sleepy bedroom community, wonderful community. Yep. They've got a um, couple of industrial areas, and in the back of one of their industrial parks, all there is is construction going on back there, and I think there's three or four medical marijuana operators, actually not medical, but three or four cultivation operations back there. Mm-hmm. So think about somebody who's going to put up an $18 million facility and start to grow. You've got to grow an awful lot of pot <laughs> in order to generate enough profit to pay for that. That's a long-term investment, but the problem you have in every market it gets mature on the cultivation side, the prices come down. I read something. Oregon well, is the perfect it, example Oregon, of that. I, Oregon, they have they, to burn their stuff. They have so much of it. At, at the uh, MJ BizCon conference in Vegas back in November, they were talking about that Oregon had like a 63% price drop. Right. I was with the CEO back in October of one of the, the leading Massachusetts dispensary operations. And and he was speaking, and he said, right now it costs us about $1,500 a pound to produce marijuana. By the end of next year, meaning 2019, we're going to drive that price down to 300 right? You've got a lot of people putting up a lot of cultivation facilities because the romance in this business is not running the retail store. The romantic side is to have a warehouse full of all of these plants that were previously illegal and look at them as far as the eye can see. <laughs> and I personally, I think it, you, as much as I listen to Coral Reefer and uh, the Marley brand and um, Jimmy Buffett's got one out there. Coral Reefer. Right. right? Oh, that's Coral Reefer. That makes sense, right. doesn't it? Right. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Willie Nelson. Yeah. What's your favorite fruit, Jimmy? Uh, watermelon. What's your favorite brand of watermelon? I couldn't tell you. Right. So I've been asking this question to people for months. The people who like bananas will usually tell you Chiquita or Dole. Right. And then when you really push them on it, they don't know which one they like. They just know those are the brands they buy. Right. So here's what I've determined over six months of informal survey. Chiquita, Dole, Haas Avocados, and Purdue Chicken. Right. Stay away from the deli counter. 
Those are four brands in agriculture. Once you get past that, nobody knows what the brand is. I've had people, I've said to them, what's your favorite fruit? An apple. What's your favorite brand? Granny Smith. I go, that's not a brand. That's a strain. Right. Right. So now if you look at the brands, it's going to be real hard to make a brand in something that's an agriculture product. And that's what marijuana ultimately is. Then take it one step further. If you actually believe that the market isn't going to be in people walking around smoking joints, but it's going to be in all these other products, Mm -hmm. the topicals, things that you may ingest, edibles, patches, drinks, that means they have to take material out of the plant to make an ingredient that can go into those products. So now you're talking about Lehman Brothers 100 years ago. Somebody's going to buy up all the product that it'll get tested. They'll buy it up. They'll turn it into the material they need to turn it into. And let's say it's an oil that's going to get mixed in with the drinks. It's not going to matter whether the oil came from the Jimmy Young farm or it came from the somebody else's farm. It's all going to get mixed up. It'll get sorted according to what the properties are. But it's going to become a commodity product. I sure wouldn't want to put $18 million into a grow facility when history shows, and we're not talking about 20 years of history, we're talking about 5 to 10 years of history shows, as the market develops and saturation comes in, the prices drop. And now you've got a long-term fixed investment of a lot of money in a grow facility, and then the prices are going to start to go down. And you can't sell to the consumer. The best place to be in this market, in, if I, my 25000 goes into retail. Retail is limited. Retail is the only thing in Massachusetts where the communities have to give a certain minimum number, and they're all sticking with the minimum. So there's a lot of communities that have said we've banned retail, but will allow manufacturing or will allow cultivation. And there's communities that will allow multiple cultivators or large cultivators, but they're only allowing a limited number of retailers. Retail is the choke point. And he or she who controls the choke point controls the market. Interesting. That's great stuff, man. I tell you, I've had doctors in here. Now I've got economists, financial advisors, uh, and consultants in here. I mean, David, it's great stuff. I mean, I, I think you should be a regular on this show because it does say expert analysis of the cannabis industry. And for some reason, I'm the host. I can't quite understand that, but I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, too. Um, David Rabinitz, how do people find you? Let's go back to that again. How do people find you? Well, let's see. You can find me on LinkedIn. Yep. If you go on LeafWire which is basically LinkedIn for cannabis. And Peter Vogel, who's the CEO, was interviewed by moi last week at the Seed to Sale, and that will be released on the Into Weeds in the future. Probably, actually, I think this one may bump him out of the order, but we'll see. Peter, I think, is doing a great job developing his product, which is LeafWire. Yep. Um, LinkedIn, I I, I could say to people, here's what my LinkedIn profile is to get to the address. They haven't gotten there yet with LeafWire, but I got an email from Peter this morning and said, just tell people to Google or rather search for the name Rabinovitz with a V on LeafWire. No, it's not even there aren't too many. He said, you're the only one. (laughs) That's a a good thing. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on LeafWire. You can, you know... um, those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Or they can get in touch with me through your show. Right, which is, uh, I tell you what, I found out uh, this past week that there's a lot more people listening to it than I thought, which is great. Yep. I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, David Rubinditz, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, I so appreciate uh, talking with you. You blow me away with your mathematical analysis when it comes to numbers. You are the guy and I'm glad that you're in this cannabis business now and perhaps can take us all to where we all want to go eventually. 
Thank you, Jimmy. It was great to be here. I appreciate it. All right. You are, of course, listening to In the Weeds, a podcast available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Audio Boom, and, of course, our video recording on the WeedTube.com and the brand new Cannabis Multimedia Network. Again, we are supported by our friends at the Revolutionary Clinics, now with two locations in Cambridge and in Somerville. And I urge you to check it out, especially if you have a medical card. They have a, a bright future. And in fact, they're also taking out billboards that you could see on the Southeast Expressway now with some of their patient advocates way up there. And it's pretty cool to see them because they are people that I recognize and I like and I appreciate and respect them as well. So for David Rabinowitz and for Steve Helmuth, who directs this thing, I'm Jimmy Young. We'll see you next time on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. In the Weeds is a podcast for the Cannabis Multimedia Network for the enjoyment and education of our audience. It is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and a video record is available on the WeedTube and on the Cannabis Multimedia Network. Any medical advice is not a reflection of the management of CLNS Media or Cannabis Multimedia Network.